0: Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Producing quality content at a high volume is hard. And with newsfeed algorithms constantly shifting and audience platform preferences changing seemingly overnight, media companies need to stay agile to stay at the top. That's why content production teams at places like Time Magazine use Airtable. It's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everything on schedule. And let creative people be creative. Visit airtable.com/slash digiday today to get fifty dollars in free credits. Hello and welcome to the DigiDay Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. On this week's episode, I am joined by BuzzFeed founder and CEO Jonah Peretti. BuzzFeed has been one of the most important digital media brands created. In many respects, others have followed its lead over the years. From how to build scale on platforms, especially Facebook, to setting the trend for hockey stick growth as a venture capital-backed company, to its emphasis on video. But like much of the digital media industry, BuzzFeed is itself grappling with a difficult environment. Last year, in December, Jonah said that digital media was in a state of crisis and laid out a blueprint for a multi-brand, multi-revenue stream future for BuzzFeed. I get his take on that, his revenue-sharing expectations from Facebook, and I also try to pin him down, mostly unsuccessfully, on when BuzzFeed will be sustainably profitable. Hope you enjoy it. Jonah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm going to get right into it. Back in December, you said the media is in crisis. Same diagnosis.
1: I think there are a lot of parts of the media industry that are in crisis. Um, there's a lot of challenges around the quality of the information the public's consuming. There are a lot of platforms that are not sharing enough revenue, so they're 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 generating a lot of revenue but not sharing much, um, and so. Media companies, digital media companies are having to figure out how to how to get lean, make money on their own uh, and find business models that work. And so there's a lot of exciting things happening, but the overarching um, narrative is still not that
0: positive. Are you more optimistic now, like seven months later than you were in December?
1: We're we're I'm very optimistic about my business about the about BuzzFeed and about all the the amazing work the team at BuzzFeed has done. So we instituted this nine box strategy. We have really strong growth in commerce, really strong growth in studio. We have new kinds of advertising that have have really driven a lot of growth. So native, but also programmatic, also turnkey um, products like Buzzcuts, where we cut up assets from clients and spread them across multiple platforms. So that's going great um, and. We have you know strong double-digit growth in the first half, good outlook for the rest of the year. Um, but it's required us to be very nimble, to develop new businesses, to make different parts of our business work together in new ways. And it wasn't easy. And it feels like it, it, there, there should be, um, it should be easier uh, to, when you reach the scale of audience that we reach and you have the impact that we're having, it should be easier to generate revenue we figured out how to do it. I think a lot of people aren't are struggling to figure out how to do it. Uh, and and so overall I don't think that is great mm-hmm. for the ecosystem and great for um, the public being informed by great news or great lifestyle of content or great yeah. great great kinds of entertainment.
0: Why should it have been easier? I mean, it was the idea like once you get to an enormous scale and you guys got to enormous scale, the money would follow. Uh,
1: I never expected necessarily that that it was just as simple as get a lot of scale and we'll make a lot of money.
0: It wasn't like a turn on the revenue faucet. I remember when people used to say that. Gonna right. turn on the revenue faucet now.
1: Right, uh, I mean we started by in creating our own form of advertising, this native advertising that that really led the the industry. And so we always started by innovating on, our, on the business side as well. Not just generating scale but building new models mm-hmm. for, for business. Um, when the platforms got um, stronger and got more connected to, the, to media, you know, Twitter started as what you're having for lunch was all user generated content. Facebook was like where you're gonna meet up with your friends. Um, but, but pretty soon after that, they started having news, entertainment, lifestyle media on their platforms. When they got to us, uh, when, when media got to a, a huge scale on those platforms, it seemed to make sense that they would find ways to share revenue with, with the people creating so much value for their platforms. Um, YouTube has done an okay job of it. You actually, if you generate lots of views on YouTube, you, you generate more revenue. Um, with Facebook, we'll have examples like Tasty, where we're the biggest uh, franchise on, on, on Facebook, um, you know closing in on 100 million likes to the page, um, many you know, t- videos with tens of millions of views. And it's all in Facebook's newsfeed, and we generate zero revenue from Facebook. Um, but it creates mm-hmm. huge value for Facebook and for Facebook's platform. And so we've had to find a bunch of other ways to, to make Tasty into a great business. And it is a great business, but it's required us to, to uh, figure out a lot of things and often work around um, the constraints that Facebook has, has placed on the ecosystem.
0: So was Facebook a bad bet for publishers? Like, I don't know where else you would put a bet at that time because, I mean, Facebook enabled a lot of BuzzFeed's growth. Right, I mean, if you look at BuzzFeed's growth, um, you know, you guys were right at the point where Facebook really took off.
1: Yeah, and I I remain very enthusiastic about Facebook as a platform. Um, I think that it is a great way to reach a huge audience. It can be a great way to build a brand. Um, You know, ninety percent of millennials know BuzzFeed. Um, Tasty is relatively young in the food media space and is widely known and reaches. You know hundreds of millions of people so facebook is a great way to reach lots of people then the question is how do you build a business once you reach lots of people and so in the case of tasty we have a 94 skew kitchen product line at every walmart in america mm-hmm. that is tasty tasty branded so we've done licensing deals um, we found ways to create co-branded videos with tasty recipe videos with products uh with with you know ingredients um, in it and product placement um we have some tasty shows that are in development that have different economics than making, making things for, for, for newsfeed. So tasty has become a great global business and Facebook is a big part of it. It's just, we, we've had to figure, figure out how to build a great business on, on, on our own. And it feels to me that it would be in Facebook's interest to share revenue and have more control over the content on their platform. To, To me, part of Part of my critique of Facebook isn't, I want more from Facebook. Part of my critique of Facebook is I try to think from the perspective of my partners. I don't really understand why they wouldn't want to have an ecosystem where they can ensure quality Mm -hmm. of the content in newsfeed through monetization. And if they can't, right now they have a lever of traffic to, to, to try to promote quality in newsfeed. They don't have a lever for monetization because they're not sharing revenue and it makes it harder for them to get rid of fake news and clickbait and and crappy content in in, in newsfeed mm-hmm. so it seems like it would be in their interest to to find a better way to partner um but since they haven't mm-hmm. we've found other ways to build Gotta to hustle. build a strong business so yeah.
0: let me ask you this because i want to turn the question on you you're not from facebook but you're probably BuzzFeed's probably the one publisher. Um, well, okay, New York Times and some others will will you know that they'll get their calls returned. Um, the one publisher who Facebook would you know share their their when you ask Facebook this, what do they tell you? Broadly,
1: um, I, I I can't really share what Facebook w- would say in a in a private conversation, but I I would say that um, the media industry is giant. You know, newspapers, magazines linear traditional television they're giant and the the declines in revenue just from newspapers and magazines is so huge that the idea that facebook and google could save uh you know newspapers and magazines or could offset these massive declines is is not very realistic as big as facebook and google's revenues are it's hard for them to to bail out the entire media industry and so so I think that we need different models for media. We can't just say mm-hmm. we're going to have um, the same cost structure that we had 20 years ago and that newspapers and magazines will just make up for the, 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 the declines by getting money, a check from Facebook and Google. Like That's not realistic. And so I think that in some cases, Facebook just isn't sure what the right model is and they're trying lots of things and they're trying to figure it out. But it's actually a hard problem, and some people in the media don't realize what a hard problem it is. And Why they, is it a hard problem?
0: I mean, because it sounds like you're just saying, hey, they should pay. We're creating gigantic audiences and engagement on their platform, They sh- and they're making money off this one way or another. They should share part of that money with us. Sounds. I mean, YouTube does this.
1: Right. So at the high end, where you look at, say, Conde Nast-type economics, it's very expensive per Per reader, yeah, yeah, you know it costs a lot, and the digital economics just can't make that up. So if you look at a, at, at uh, the New York Times or the high end of of magazines um, or, or or TV, even it's hard for Facebook to say, well, if we shared revenue, it'd solve the problems of the high end of the media market. At the very low end, um, they could do it easily, but the very low end of digital media is fake news you know, stolen content, yeah. crappy aggregated clickbait. So so I think they could do it for Buzzfeed in the middle um, or, you know, companies that have great reporters, make great content, but do it in a digitally mm-hmm. native way at relatively lower cost. They could actually do it for, for us, but, I don't think that it's a solution for the industry as a whole, right. if they just did it for no. us and four or five other partners who have right. the right cost structure for the digital world. And so that's the, that's, yeah. I think the challenge is that if they want to roll something out to every company, then they have to find something that would actually make a difference. So they're not just, just, Writing more checks and still everyone's still like we're still going out of business because of Google and Facebook
0: Right, but I mean for like the New York Times and probably even Conde Nast subscriptions are gonna be um, The way forward in many cases and so they could do more to drive subscriptions for the high end of the market for the middle end of the market It would seem to be around advertising or yeah, I guess there's even talk of carriage fees. I don't even know how that would work
1: I think that for the middle market premium digital you know content um, should should be something that could be sustained Mm. with the platforms sharing advertising revenue um, or finding what you know so so I think I think it is possible, Um, but I think that a lot of the critiques of Facebook have come from traditional media players who are who are wanting Google and Facebook to offset declines that are so massive that it's hard to really expect them to do it
0: right right quick break. To hear a word from our sponsor airtable the all-in-one collaboration platform the digital landscape is constantly evolving and for your content to break through the noise your publishing strategy needs to be adaptable That's why when teams at digital-first media companies like Condé Nast Entertainment, BuzzFeed Studios, and Group 9 Media needed a tool to fine-tune their production process for the modern age, they turned to Airtable. With Airtable, you can build the collaborative, streamlined production process necessary to take advantage of every trend. Try it today. Just head to Airtable.com slash Digiday to receive $50 in free credits. Now back to the episode. Do you think you uh, Buzzfeed was too dependent on you know one revenue stream for too long?
1: Uh, in retrospect, we prob- probably were. I think having having um, really strong focus is good for a company. And so early on at Buzzfeed, we said we'll do n- native advertising. We're going to make the, the we'll the never content. run a
0: display, ad. and we
1: won't do display advertising. We won't do other kinds of advertising because we have a better model, and we scaled that really really big. I think when when um, Trump was elected and also Brexit in the UK, the advertising industry had a little bit of a crisis. So I'd go to the stream event and you'd hear breakout sessions where advertisers were saying, marketers and CMOs were saying, should we reach out to the Trump voters? that we didn't really realize existed and do ads for them? Should we reach out to immigrants and the LGBT community, people of color, and show that we still support them as a brand and our values are aligned? Should we try to bridge the gap between the two sides, like, and have the protester pass the Pepsi to the police? And, and they tried, they, they actually, most big brands, wanted to do that middle you know, path of connecting the, 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 the two sides and reversing the polarization. And when they would try it, it would blow up in their face and there'd be huge backlash. And so brands weren't really sure what they wanted to say, and they didn't really have a voice um, after the election. And and so for native advertising, all of our advertising was, 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 you know, come to BuzzFeed and we'll help you say something bold and we'll help you tell your story and, and we'll do native advertising. And I think there was a big demand um, during that period of chaos for um, banner ads, some TV ads, uh, traditional Mm -hmm. ads that just sort of showcase the product and just the classic Google and Facebook direct response ads that were um, not really trying to participate in culture, but just trying to sell your product. Mm -hmm. And so we saw some, some part of the part of the nine box was diversifying a revenue to be able to to, to work with all the advertisers who's told us we really want to work with Buzzfeed, we love your audience, we love what you do, but we don't really know what we want to say right now. So, can we just buy a banner ad, or could right. we do? Uh, could we cut up some of our our traditional assets?
0: But also, I mean, native advertising became commoditized. I mean, the internet commoditizes everything. When you guys started doing native, you were pretty much the only ones doing native. Now, pretty much everyone has a content studio. Everyone has some ver- version of what um, of what you've done for a while.
1: That, that's true um, that more, many more people are doing it. It's hard to do it well. Um, it's hard to do it with the scale we have. So we saw a lot of people copying us would would do something and then they would just buy all the views because they don't have the network we have um, mm-hmm. or they'd make something where they were mimicking something that we'd done that worked but didn't actually know how to connect with the audience. And we've seen that brands, to, to my earlier point about um, brands not being sure how to participate in culture after Trump and Brexit, that we've seen that after about a year Brands have started to figure out, okay, we're going to take this side or that side, or, you know, they've, they've figured out more what they want to say and they're coming back to native and we're seeing our native business grow. So um, I think. So that I, didn't hit like a wall? It didn't hit a wall, but it was, there was, it was things went slower. You know, brands that wanted to work with us were like, okay, what are, what do we want to say? And they were having trouble okay. figuring out so what they want to say. So it's more of
0: a say. creative problem, a strategy problem than like a market demand issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but media has always been almost i think it's always been a um a multi revenue business like it would seem that like you know in the digital era a lot of people like forgot like the past which is like you always want a diverse set of like revenue from different sources because some will be growing faster than others at different times and different people want different things some people want retargeting ads
1: right i think that's true but also people don't really make that critique of facebook say you know like Facebook really should diversify their revenue. They just have all this advertising revenue. It's That's like that must be a huge right. problem for Facebook. Now you know? well people used to say um, that
0: about Google. It's a one trick pony, but it was a hell of a trick.
1: Right, right. And it's still it's still a hell of a yeah. trick. And and so I think diversification makes a lot of sense and um and we have diversified a lot. Our revenue is more diversified than it's ever been. We're generating revenue from a few different kinds of advertising, a few different kinds of commerce, a few different kinds of studio development, and they're also working together. So the the piece that I like is if you look at um, the diversification that you think about in digital media, which is let's have subscription and advertising. Those those models often work at odds with each other. So if you if you make your subscription wall, you know, paywall really rigid, you generate more subscription revenue, but you you don't get as much distribution, so it hurts your advertising business. And if you make it more porous, Mm -hmm. you generate more advertising, but you're not making as much subscription. What's nice about uh, the model that we've developed is that they often work together. So a, a brand will say, we're gonna license Tasty for commerce and kitchen products. And then that means um, we're more enticing to advertise because when you advertise with Buzzfeed, you're advertising Tasty products. So it, the advertising's more effective because it's the brand aligns. And when you make a show, um, for, uh, you know, a TV style show or a Netflix show, you can put the, you know, um, you can, you can um, put the products in the show and, or have cross promotion. And so you start to see these different, um, these different business models work together into as a larger system, Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, a one steak sauce advertises with us. And we also make a meat scented candle, you know, for father's day. And so the commerce business is supporting the advertising business. And we're actually winning advertising business because of the commerce business and, and vice versa. Um, So having, you know, having large scale and big brands that people know lends itself to a few different models that that benefit from that scale.
0: Which box has the most potential right now? I know they're all sort of related, but not, you know. Which
1: which one is, uh, well, average. Which which revenue? I mean, I mean, I would say advertising is is still the biggest source of revenue for us. um, But when you
0: say advertising, does that include native and programmatic and?
1: Well, it's true that those all together would be the yeah the the biggest um, source of revenue for for Buzzfeed. Yeah, um, but we're seeing a lot of growth in in commerce, um, and Studio is relatively small. We we despite what people sometimes uh, say, we haven't been focused on selling you know making a lot of long form television type content until very recently. So we're we're just now you know this summer we'll have our Netflix show will. Uh, um, start start to mm-hmm. air and we are developing a Hulu show about our reporting on R. Kelly um, and we have um, a bunch of other stuff in the works there so that's still relatively small lots of upside potential there.
0: Mm-hmm. but you see advertising being the sort of lion's share of revenue for the foreseeable future
1: um, I would say that it it will the majority and it'll be about half of uh, you know, direct sold advertising that our sales team sells will be about half of our revenue next year, you know, so it it is, you know, and then there's some,
0: that's a lot of diversification. Yeah.
1: Um, and then advertising through platform rev shares like YouTube and, um, and some of the programmatic revenue and, and then commerce and, and studio revenue will be, will be the other half. And so, you know, last year it it was about, it was about, if you, if you look at it over time last year, it was about, um, uh, a, a quarter, uh, about three quarters this year. It'll be two thirds mm-hmm. next. You know, next year about one. And half. still growing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's bad kind of diversification when it's just shrinking. No, it's not shrinking. <laughs> not
1: shrinking. It's still growing.
0: Uh, when are you going to make money?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Is I, that an inelegant question? What? Uh, we can no. Talk about
0: profitability, can't we?
1: Um, yeah, we could. We could. You can ask me anything you want. It's <laughs> just a matter of what. What will I. What will I share? And um i think i I, uh, I you know we're a private company so i tend to you're like you're like i've heard this so many times i know you ask this question you always get the same answer
0: well no not always because sometimes people are profitable and they and they say hey we're profitable or they say oh we'll be profitable next year i guess yeah. I, I don't know at what point is it important um to be to be profitable
1: well, I can say that when I, I can say that we've had years where we've been profitable, and we've had years when we're not profitable. And on years when we're profitable, we haven't said we're profitable. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, <laughs> you know, it's not just like you say <laughs> you don't say anything if you're profitable because I also didn't say anything, um, you know, uh, on a year when we're not profitable or when we a year when we're profitable.
0: Okay, but there is yeah. a path to profitability for it because I think some people have have uh, have have said that. Um, I think David Carey uh, actually. I'll quote him because he just uh, said that he's going to be stepping down. Um, he said the degree of difficulty in running a money losing digital business is zero, um, and that was that was a shot at the sort of Buzzfeeds and Voxes that haven't yet proven that their models can be profitable as "quote unquote" traditional legacy businesses, media businesses have.
1: Well, we've had profitable years and we've had unprofitable years. So I guess uh, you know <laughs> uh, we've proven we can be profitable, and uh, I feel good about where our business is, is positioned now. Um, I think that um, the the difference is when you're a venture back company, you um, are investing in the in the future and trying to build something really big from nothing. And sometimes it's not it's not very smart to focus on profitability. Sometimes it's a lot smarter to focus on growth and and. Um, of course, all of the,
0: so are uh, you still focused on growth versus extracting value
1: right now? We're focused on sustainable growth. So we're innovating, we're managing our costs in a, in a, in a more rigorous way. And we're, we're growing our top line, um, you know, um, at strong double digit growth. And right. So it's now,
0: now it's strong double digit growth. It's not talking about a 50% growth and all that stuff like the hockey stick era is over.
1: Uh, I, I mean, I think uh we're we're growing at a rate that uh I think uh every major media company would would envy.
0: <laughs> okay. well, I mean, as the numbers get bigger, it gets harder to sustain gigantic growth rates. uh yeah, I mean, Is, <laughs> I don't know, I think so. I think that's usually how the law of big numbers work. Quick break to tell you about starting out. This is our podcast where Shereen Patak talks to leaders in the marketing industry about their big ideas that inform their business decisions. We've had guests like Jeff Goodby, Linda Boff, and Mark Pritchard. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. Now back to the episode. Uh, what about uh, subscriptions? A lot of media companies are at the top, as you said, are focused on that. I think uh, BuzzFeed, as you, you put it, in the, in the middle um, and it's a scale model and subscriptions usually haven't played in that, uh, in that area.
1: Well, subscriptions make a lot of sense as a specific product that we might sell, but not as our core model. If Explain that, if that. that makes sense. So, so we have, you know, Netflix advertises with us, they're a subscription model, and we drive people to Netflix. Sometimes they sign up for Netflix and watch the show that we, that, that was advertised. And, and so, uh, Buzzfeed can drive, um, people to subscribe to say an SVOD service like Netflix.
0: Right. But not Um, like putting certain amount of content behind a paywall or a meter system or saying, you know, for this particular brand, um, you know, you can have a subscription to get something, something else.
1: I mean, our core model is to have unprecedented scale on multiple platforms to have, to, to be, to be, uh, have, you know, Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed news, tasty, nifty, goodful, all the, the, our media brands to, to live on multiple platforms and reach the largest audience that they can possibly reach and build a, as deep a connection with that audience as, as possible. And so my point about, well, People who have subscription services advertise on Buzzfeed. You need to discover what you want to subscribe to somewhere, and having the scale that we have and reaching so many people, it's a good place to discover something you want to subscribe to. Now, it may be that Buzzfeed wants to have a subscription service of some kind that is not our core model, uh, you know, that, but but that it, something that makes sense for subscription. So, if we had an idea for content we wanted to create in an area where. Um, it would have a relatively small audience, but very devoted audience, and there mm-hmm. wasn't really uh, advertising opportunity. We could create a, a subscription product um, that our massive network would allow people to discover, and that could be a good uh, um, incremental business or additional business. but it's not our main business. Our main our main focus is is, is to take advantage of what the internet is really great for, which is, Driving global scale, connecting with really large audiences, reaching lots, of, lots, and lots of people.
0: It seems like a lot of people. I always think in media, people go to, to extremes often. And for a few years, everyone was sort of following that path and saying it's about scale. We've got to scale. We've got to get to scale. And now they're they're sort of making a U turn and they're saying, okay, we've we've got to we've got to pivot to paid. We've got to get subscribers. It's not about big numbers anymore.
1: Yeah, I think that you would, if you weren't able to achieve that scale in a sustainable way, then it would be natural that you would look for a different model. We've been able to achieve really, you know, un- unprecedented scale for a digital media company. We reach, you know, so many, so many people um, and we have a real connection with them and people who really value our brands and, and, mm-hmm. and the content we're creating. And so, um, so it's a really unique advantage um and i think if you have much lower if you're a digital player who has much low less scale i think it's hard to attract you know the big advertisers because they want to be able to reach um reach really big audiences Mm -hmm. at scale and so you're at a disadvantage if you're smaller now if you have a really loyal dedicated smaller audience then subscription makes a lot of sense and is a good is a good model i agree that it's it's that people treat these things as religions. It's like it's like <laughs> business
0: models. You know, it's not. It, you know, if you have it's a, like when you guys started running programmatic, a lot of journalists were like, "Oh my God, you said you wouldn't run display ads." Yeah, yeah, and it's you
1: know there's a and and there there is a, a kind of missionary thing with us when you're a smaller startup and you have a unique right. model. It's like our model's better, and we're doing it. And and I think that the native advertising we do is better than 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 most programmatic. Um, but it it also um, you know, as, as we shifted to this distributed model, so much of our native advertising was running across the web on other platforms and we had just tons of on un- unmonetized pages across Buzzfeed site. And so it didn't, it didn't necessarily, you know, the idea that we would just like not put any ads there didn't right. make much sense
0: from a business one, standpoint. One of the other shifts that, that you've made from a couple of years ago is going from basically one brand to multi brands, um, with tasty and with nifty, and with Goodful. um, Explain why Facebook is an okay place to build a brand. Because I wonder, you know, you can amass gigantic n- numbers. That's not necessarily an audience because it's Facebook's audience. Um, but a lot of things look alike in the feed. Um, a lot of people also copy. I don't know if you ever noticed a lot of people copy what other people do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you pioneered the sort of hands. Is it hands in pans or hands end pans? I think, I think people pans. say hands and
1: pans. We didn't really use that. I don't think we use that <clears> description <throat> of it, but we definitely, um, um, at the very least, popularized. I'm, I'm sure that there have been footage of.
0: <laughs> it's been done before. People
1: have shot downward, down at
0: someone's hands. But and why, pans is a, why is it but, why is it why is it a place where you can actually build brands?
1: Well, you know, the, I mean, Tasty started not because um, we had this idea of. Tasty, the way it is now. It was tasty started because Facebook was making a big push into video, and they wanted video to appear in newsfeed. And we immediately noticed that that people who use Facebook did not want video in newsfeed. So Facebook wanted it, and the audience didn't. And they kept f- pushing video into newsfeed with the algorithm. And it was, and we were like, "Wow, how do we solve this problem of making something that the audience will actually like?" And and so we realized that well, the sound is off a lot of the time. So we need to make something that's audio optional. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when people touch it, if no sound comes, they think it's broken. So you have to add some music or something that's that's not necessary, but additive. So that kind of explains that. And because people scroll so quickly through News Feed, you need to not have credits or an intro or anything. You need to immediately go to something really cool. So food was like, you know, showing the cheese pole right at the beginning with people were scrolling. They're like, Ooh, what's that? <laughs> Uh, and then you needed to have something that was, you know, 40 seconds long because people wanted to see what was further down in their newsfeed. They didn't want to leave and go into a video experience. So we made them very short and sped them up like time lapse. And so all this evolved over time as we were trying to solve this problem of how to make, you know, compelling video content for newsfeed when the consumer was actually rejecting it. And then we made something that they loved and shared. And also it had the social DNA that makes sense for both Buzzfeed and Facebook. If you eat with your friends and, and so Tasty grew like crazy, um, not because we, sa- we said we want food media is important or this format is going to work. It's because we evolved it based on listening to the audience, trying to understand what the audience want um, and grew to grew, grew to big scale. I don't think being a Tasty clone is a very good business. Um, you have fewer likes on your page. You have less expertise about it you're copying a format, not a process. And when I talk about all the things I just talked about, that's a process that mm-hmm. that is a way of thinking and a way that people at BuzzFeed naturally think. And so we already are creating a lot of new shows on taste on, on Tasty. The, the Tasty Presents on Facebook Watch is doing great, and it's a whole bunch of, of great longer form Tasty videos. Um, so we're constantly innovative and changing based on the connection to the audience. And I think if you do that, you can build a good business and also build a brand because people see that they're something different it's not just cloning something you've already seen it's it's dynamic and vital and it's serving the audience in a, in a deeper way it's about this interaction with the audience and that's what i think traditional media doesn't totally get because you can't really do that in traditional media and it's something that I think is a new kind of brand building. Like you don't build a brand just by making something people aspire to. You build a brand by really serving the customer and the customer notices that you're, you're serving, the, ser- serving them you know, better than competitors and you're changing and evolving and adapting based on, the, um, on what they want.
0: So I mean, it, it's a meaningful brand. Like, I guess, what what is the evidence that it's a it's a brand that's meaningful outside of a Facebook context? I mean, you've you've, you've sold products and stuff, but I mean, it must be important for it to manifest itself beyond Facebook.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I mean, the the t- Tasty app now has just launched tips, where you can make cooking tips, and I can look at the raw feed of tips, and it's just uh, you know just a flood of people saying, oh, I, I substituted, you know, sh- this kind of sugar for that kind of sugar, or I used a little less flour, or I did this, I, you know, just people actually making and cooking stuff in the real world, and then sharing tips with each other. And we just turned this on. I mean, this just, just rolled out, and it's mm-hmm. and it's just people are, people are, you know, millions of people cooking things based on the stuff that the, the videos they watch on, on Tasty. So it has a deep connection to people's lives. Um, and then we see similarly products are selling great at, at Walmart so people who know tasty brand tasty video are actually buying buying products. so we're we're, ta- we're we're making something that's inspiring people to actually cook with their friends and family, actually make stuff and actually buy stuff um, and watch stuff with the longer tasty present shows where people are spending a lot of time watching and learning about food. So they're just it's just if you look at it not from a perspective of any metric, like clicks or shares or Mm -hmm. whatever metric you want to use. You look at it just from people's actual activity in the world, spending time based on the content we're making. Um, it's really like, that's what matters. And that's where we really excel. And that's why when algorithms change and things change, you actually have this deeper connection with people. And so you're in, oh, we always end up in a better spot than people expect, you know, when there's change or turmoil in the industry because of this mm-hmm. deep connection we have with the audience.
0: So finally, is as you're getting um, sort of leaner and more focused, what, is, what does that mean for Buzzfeed news? Is that still important to the model?
1: Well, when you when you think about what has a big impact, a classic example is BuzzFeed News stories, you know, where we, um, you know, cover a story of sexual abuse at a high school and the headmaster is fired and policy changes, not just at that high school, but at high schools all across the country um, where, you know, a cop. Um, is is, has, you know, lots of convictions and people in prison and because of reporting, they're overturned because of uh, the way he cop was handling evidence and seeing people released from prison. Um, I I think uh, a lot of
0: impact, not not so much profitability, though. uh,
1: I think news can be a really good business. You just have to have a really long time horizon. Um, you build trust over a long time. You have a bunch of impact in, in you know, in, in people's lives. You know, news has the AM to DM show um, on Twitter, which is a, a great business for us. Uh, they, ha- uh, they follow this show on Netflix, which is coming this summer. is another, you know, extension of news. Um, the Hulu show from based on R. Kelly reporting. Uh, they have a few other kinds of of, of shows in development, um, and then news also drives a lot of um, repeat visits and and engagement with our with our content. People really want to be informed, but they also want to be entertained, and so having news content is 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 actually important to our other businesses. Still as well. committed to news? Yeah, super committed. to news. Okay, I'm just I, saying. I, I mean, a
0: lot of you know entertainment. A lot of people would rather be away from news these days. I don't know if you've noticed. It's a little it's a little bit of a downer. It's a little alarming. It's a little scary. And so a lot of advertisers want to go to safer places, Gooey Cheese, for instance, or?
1: Yeah, and we have all those places for them to go, for sure.
0: Okay, but news is staying around. Yeah, of course. Okay. Jonah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is produced by Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, and I hope you did, please subscribe and also leave us a comment. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Um, Just a reminder, please do rate us and leave a review. That helps people find the episode or tweet about us if you'd like. A quick shout-out to Mr. Matt Bergman, who says, Digiday's reporting is crazy good about the business of digital transformation of media. Often first, always relevant. Great guess. Unique insight into publisher platform dynamic. Must listen. And also, there's this from... Guy LeCharles Gonzalez, it could be Guy, I don't know, who said the Digiday podcast is one of the best in media. Two recent CAN episodes with Reddit's Jen Wong and Complex's Rich Antonello are insightful listens. Thank you very much uh, to both Matt and Guy or Guy, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode.